Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we looked at what the Warriors learned from the Lakers championship run and how that information will dictate Golden State's path forward. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. I just had you on, I believe it was a week ago. Uh, We had a nice mailbag podcast. Um, What have you been up to in the meantime? I know know uh, you've been dealing with a little bit of a medical issue, right? Yeah, well, a couple of things. So the last time we recorded, we did it in person at your house. Let the record reflect this one's on Zoom. So one of the things I did to prepare for today is I'm sitting, I don't know if you can see this on the video, directly in the spotlight of the sun. I'm trying to get myself as hot as possible to make it very similar uh, to our last recording session. But yeah, man, I had an ACL repair, um, which was weird on its own. Getting an elective surgery during a pandemic is as strange as it sounds. But I had my first PT yesterday, um, and I think I got to see medical malpractice up close and personal, which was kind of a bonus. So I, I mentioned it, had an ACL repair, but I also had a meniscectomy. And uh, I go through PT. They give me like four or five exercises. It's kind of awkward, you know, but we get through it. And then finally, the PT guy asks me, what was your surgery? I tell him both ACL and meniscectomy, and then he goes, oh, we probably shouldn't have done those last four or five exercises. So if I like start sobbing, it's only because I've torn my meniscus yet again, Connor, and it just is what it is. That is so concerning to me that someone who's a doctor would not do their homework like that, would just show up and just start doing exercises without knowing what your issue is. Well, imagine if it was your knee. It's very concerning. That concern is well-placed. Absolutely right. Um, (laughs) So uh, the the Warriors are on the mend as well. Uh, They have uh, Steph coming back from injury, Clay's coming back from injury, Kavon. Kavon and and Clay were both at minicamp, which was, you know, definitely a positive sign for sure. Um, Given the fact that the finals just ended, given the fact that the bubble just ended and the Lakers won. And, and what I would say was relatively convincing fashion over, over the heat in the finals. Obviously, it went six games, but I personally never had a doubt the Lakers were going to pull that out, uh, especially the way they came out in game six. Um, just what, overall, what were your thoughts with how the Lakers performed? And in your mind, did they prove to you without a shadow of a doubt that they are the team the Warriors have to get, to, get through to win a title next season? I spent most of my Laker bubble watching experience frustrated and angry and revisiting all of the dormant Laker hatred that I have not had to visit for about 10 years. Um, when I was able to get out of that resentment, I was impressed with what they had put together. We have not seen a team that was using front court size to bully their way to a title for a while. You know, while, while everybody else was zigging, they zagged, and I was impressed with that. Um, and I'm anxious to kind of explore that second question, do, you know, whether or not the Warriors have to make their way through the Lakers. Um, and let me clarify that. There's no question in my mind that the Lakers are going to be a power next year. They're returning everybody and the Warriors are going to have to be concerned with them. The thing I want to explore with you, and I'm really excited to get your take on is to beat them, do the, do the Warriors have to match the Lakers and do what they're doing and, and, you know, bully ball them? Or do we stay with our own kind of style and the thing that the Warriors have made popular across the league and, you know, uh, run them off the floor? 
Yeah, and that's that's really what I wanted to use today's podcast to get into is just, um, you know, we've we've obviously spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about the Warriors offseason plans, what's kind of on their to-do list, what they want to do in the draft and free agency and all that. But I think it's in the wake of what we just saw the Lakers do, I think it's important to, to kind of look at their offseason plans now, specifically from the prism of how do you beat the Lakers? Because um, I was the person most of the season that was – very high on the Clippers. I, I said from day one, the Clippers, I think, are the team to beat. Uh, I love their depth. I love their coaching. Obviously, Kawhi and Paul George. Um, but they kind of laid an egg in the playoffs, and now they're going through a coaching search. And, hey, it looks like they actually might sign Mike Brown as their head coach, uh, which would be interesting. Um, but I didn't see enough from them to, to believe that they could be a serious threat next season to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um the Lakers are basically returning all of their core guys from this team. Um, they have a few guys. <clears throat> they have a few guys who have player options uh, for next season. Those being Anthony Davis, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Rajon Rondo. Um, but I expect all those guys to to want to come back. I mean, why wouldn't they uh, to defend the title? Um, and then outside of that, the the guys who are free agents are really all kind of you know, fringe guys. The, the most important one would probably be Dwight Howard. Um, there was a report this morning uh, from Sean Terenia from The Athletic saying that the Warriors are expected to be interested in Dwight Howard and free agency. That was an interesting report. I'm not – I have no idea what Sean's sourcing is on that. Um, he's historically accurate, so I'm not going to say he's wrong, but – um, I know for a fact that every person I've ever talked to within the Warriors organization is really down on Dwight Howard. Uh, they do not like a lot of what he represents, uh, mainly as a person. He's, he's kind of known as a locker room cancer. People have thrown out the word sociopath. Um, he is a hypocrite in a lot of ways. A lot of people just don't like being around him. Um, and I think the Warriors are hyper aware of that kind of thing. And, uh, I would personally be shocked if they pursued him in free agency. I also don't think he's a great fit for what they're trying to do. Um, that, I really respected how quickly you went from like hushed tones to just putting him on blast. You said there was concerns. I was like, oh, he's playing it kind of close to the vest. And then locker room cancer. We're really worried about this guy. So that, that, being, said, that being said, he, he did have a little bit of a career renaissance this season with the Lakers. He, he played his role. He was helpful. I get that. I just don't see the Warriors taking that kind of risk with their locker room and their culture for a guy who is at best like your number three center, you know, maybe at best your number two center. I just don't see that. Um, so I, I, I was surprised to see that report. If, if readers saw that I didn't acknowledge that publicly and write about it, that's why, because uh, I'm not super confident in it based off my personal sourcing. And I've, I can only go off my own sourcing. So um, I got a message this morning from my boss. Hey, hey, you writing on this? And I said, no, I'm not actually. <laughs> and, and this is why. I think, so we have talked over and over again for real good reason during this off season about all the decisions the Warriors got to make, right? We got the TPE. We have the mid-level exception. We've got this draft pick coming up. We even look at Minnesota's 
pick next year. We're talking about possible trade down, who they can bring in. And the Venn diagram between those podcasts and this one is this initial decision they're going to have to make. You know, when we were first talking about that, while the Lakers were playing bully ball and making their way towards this bubble championship, when we were examining those decisions, it was all through, okay, well, the Warriors are going to be the Warriors again. Small ball, you know, let's recreate another death lineup. What does that mean? We need a wing. Um, looking at people like Ubre, trades back, all those kind of things. But the interesting question to me now is, has that shifted? You know, with the Lakers winning a championship, now when the Warriors are making all those decisions, do we have to start looking at big guys? And what you just brought up with Dwight Howard underlines that perfectly. You know, I, I saw another rumor this week with Gallinari, that Gallinari might be willing to consider less money to go after a championship. And those two people, right, Gallo versus Dwight, illustrates the decision we're making. If the Warriors feel like, well, eh, we got to beat the Lakers now. Like they're, you know, they're the guys on the block who we have to match then all of these other decisions are going to have to go big. Um, if that's not true, if they're just trying to be small again, then, you know, it, it shifts those calls. Gallo makes more sense to me than, than Dwight. Um, yep. Because Gallo is a point forward. Um, he can be a secondary ball handler. He's, he's skilled uh, initiating the offense, which is kind of a hole the Warriors have had offensively. Um, and, you know, he's got a proven track record. I think you could feel comfortable – putting him in meaningful minutes in the playoffs without a doubt. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that the Warriors' most pressing concern right now is just you need more bodies that you're going to feel comfortable playing meaningful minutes in the playoffs. I'm not 100% convinced that, you know, a Dwight Howard who's a year older than now is going to be that guy for you. Um, like, do, would you honestly rather play Dwight Howard or Marquise Chris? I would personally probably rather play Marquise Chris. Um that being said, I do think the Warriors should add another center, um, and that doesn't have anything to do with the Lakers. I just think, in general, they need another center, yeah. um, whether that's a minimum contract guy or what have you. As we've talked about on the pod, Marcus Gasol is no longer available, so it'll be interesting to see like how they prioritize their money because I, I had been convinced before that they're going to try to use their mid-level on someone like Marcus Gasol. He's not available. Do you try to use it on? You know, a uh, Serge Ibaka, uh, a Paul Millsap, someone like that, or do you prioritize prioritize wing depth? It'll it'll be interesting. I honestly don't know what they're thinking right now. If you were Bob Myers, so let's rewind this. And we talked about this quote a little while ago. I think, in fact, last week um, when I almost died of dehydration, having sweat every piece of water out of my body in your house. But the quote we talked about was a back and forth with Bob Byers. Very similar thing. They asked him, what do you got to do to beat the Lakers? And the way we interpreted his quote, he said, I don't think we're there yet. And the way we thought he meant it was, look, the Lakers should be focused on beating us, not us beating the Lakers. Has that changed, do you think? I mean, it, it's, it's a, in fact, don't guess what Myers is thinking. If you were him, you're in that position, you've watched this play out. Do you now feel like, ooh, I got to get bigger. I got to do what they're doing because they just won that. I don't think about it like that. Um, but I do think you need to be aware of the Lakers. And by that, I mean that you need to be thinking when you approach this offseason, who's going to defend Anthony Davis and who's going to defend LeBron James. Those yeah. are the two biggest questions. Now, as far as the size thing, um, I don't think the Warriors look at it like that. If you look at their track record, the Warriors, and understandably, think very highly of themselves, and they don't like – they like to set the tempo. They like to set the pace, the style of play. They don't want to bend other 
team's wishes. You know, they're not going to try to beat the Lakers at their own game. Right. That, that would be a losing proposition for them because the Warriors got their dynasty from inventing basically a, a brand of basketball that was perfectly suited for, for their personnel. And they still have a lot of that personnel. I mean, they still have Steph, they still have Clay, still have Draymond. Now they add in someone like Andrew Wiggins into that mix. Um, I don't think you, I don't think you mess with that formula. Um, that being said though, I don't think they have anyone on this roster who can even think about slowing down LeBron. Um, their best defender, their, their best wing defender is Clay, but that's asking a lot. Uh, I also am not sure he's physically big enough to just withstand that type of toll that someone like LeBron's going to take on you. I'm sure Draymond would be up to the task, but Draymond needs to be spending time on Anthony Davis. So, you know, he's, he, he can't be two places at once. So they need someone else who's like a big body and really, really reliable defensively. I, they need someone who's proven at a high level, not, you know, there's a chance they'll take someone like a Devin Vassell um, in the lottery, maybe even an Isaac Crow, guys who are really strong wing defenders and I think are good enough to come in from day one and be helpful defensively. You can't ask a rookie to, <laughs> to have that kind of assignment. Um, when we're talking about high level playoff games, um, I think you need, I think you need someone out there. And honestly, a guy who would be really intriguing to me that I think they should watch out for Andre Roberson from hmm. Oklahoma city. He hasn't played in two years, so I don't even know what his deal is. I don't even know if he's like a hundred percent or ready to be the defender he used to be, but he's, in the vein of guy I'm talking about. Like, he was a defensive-oriented guy who was, who has locked down high-profile players at a high level for a long time, has a body of work, has a track record. And if he's where he needs to be physically, that's the type of guy I would bring in. I'm on board for that. Um, he always was a shooter. I mean, again, two years of inactivity is always a little bit of a concern. But if he's the same player, he fits in immediately. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that concerns me about this conversation, and it's just practical reality, man, what the hell can we do? But we didn't get to watch this team at all last year. So we don't really know what their upside, what their ceiling, what their floor could be. And it's hard to make that decision of, well, are they good enough to beat the Lakers without getting big? You know, can they run them off the floor without actually watching Steph and Wiggins and these boys play together? Yeah, no, it, it's it'll be it's gonna be fascinating. Uh, but I think that the Warriors actually have a little bit bigger of a window than the Lakers, so that's that's a positive. I mean, if if the Warriors aren't able to dethrone the Lakers next year, I think they still have a couple more shots at it. Yep. I mean, LeBron's what thirty seven now. Yep. Um, I mean, he's superhuman, but I don't I don't think he can do it at this level much longer. Uh, mm -hmm. You have. Rajon Ronda, who was a really key member of their playoff run, who's in his mid-30s as well. Um, you know, so so those are some some things they're really going to have to be wary of. Uh, whereas the Warriors, their 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 three main guys are in their early 30s, and then you have and Andrew Wiggins, who's only 25. So, and uh, historically, Anthony Davis is an injury waiting to happen. I mean, he he made it through last year, right, and they won that championship. But anybody who was watching can attest to what once a quarter he would go down and then you'd immediately be like oh is he getting back up because that's always been the Davis experience 
I do think the Warriors can learn a little bit from the Lakers in terms of what the Lakers did to round out their roster after they got Anthony Davis. Like, they did a really good job of finding these veteran guys on the cheap who could come in and and play high-level playoff minutes for them. I mean, I think part of it is just the fact that they're in L.A., the fact that they're the Lakers, the fact that, you know, a lot of people, especially later in their career, are going to be willing to take less money to chase a ring in general, but especially with a team like the Lakers. So you, you had someone like Rajon Rondo who did that bill. But, like, Rajon Rondo, a lot of people were super down on him yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. And he was one of their best players in these playoffs. Um, and I think, I think the Warriors – and I'm not saying it has to be a point guard like that, but I think the Warriors need a guy like that who just has that playoff pedigree. Um, I know we talked about Rudy Gay. Um He's not necessarily known as a huge winner in his career, but he is would be a helpful veteran piece, I think, that kind of fits that general mold. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. Do you think the Warriors are still the marquee destination or a marquee destination? So I, I see that thing from Gallo yesterday, from Gallinari saying I'd be willing to take less money. And as an entitled, currently entitled Warrior fan, I immediately think, oh, well, of course Golden State will have a shot at it. But they were the worst team in the league last year, right? I mean, literally by, by objective numbers. So does Steph's return, Clay's return, like when um, elite NBA free agents are out there, or not even elite, when these guys who are looking to add a title to their resume as opposed to money, do you think they still look to Golden State? Are we still at the top of that list? I don't, I don't think they're at the top of the list anymore. I still think it's a very attractive destination. I think the Lakers are at the top partly because they're in LA. Keep in mind that the vast majority of NBA players have off-season homes in LA. And so it's like a very convenient thing. Just say, oh, I can chill at home and like go play for like this historic franchise. That's cool. Uh, And also play with LeBron. I'm down for that. Um, But with the Warriors, I mean, you saw so many ring chasers and guys taking pay cuts, guys like uh, David West and, and Zaza Pachulia and, and guys like that. Um, but there was this guy named Kevin Durant. And I do think that there is an awareness throughout the league that the Warriors did have the worst record in the NBA last season. Yes, there's a huge asterisk to, next to that because they didn't have Steph and Clay. But that being said, there's, there's still a lot of question marks. I mean, a lot of things have to go right for the Warriors to be legitimate contenders. I think it is just as likely that the Warriors end up being a middle-of-the-pack Western Conference team next season as it is that they are contending with the Lakers for the top, for the number one seed in the West. I wish more people would be saying that. I, I learned too late in my professional career to under-promise and over-deliver. And right now, the vibe amongst Warrior fans is that all of us are expecting these guys to sprint out of the gate and be a top four team next year. And I hope that's true. I mean, for obvious reasons. But yeah. expect that is dangerous as hell because we don't I, know who they I are. I really don't like the depth right now. I, I mean, you look at that bench. It's I'm not confident that a lot of these guys who played big minutes last season can be those guys for a playoff contending team I, I, or, or championship contending team, you know, guys like Jordan Poole and, and Damian Lee. And, you know, um, there was a lot of buzz, you know, at mini camp about Jordan Poole and how, 
the strides he's made. He looks, he's been our most consistent player at minicamp and he's been in the gym every day. And look, that's great. Happy for Jordan Poole. I think he has a chance to be a solid rotation player in the NBA. I would not feel comfortable slotting him into like the eighth or ninth spot on, on in the rotation next season. If that's what happens, then that does not bode well for the Warriors. Um, it just doesn't. I mean, he, I think, needs another year or two to be able to be deserving of that type of position. Um, now, if you can bring in a guy like a Glenn Robinson III um, in free agency, which I think is realistic, he, I think, is going to be a helpful piece. He's not going to necessarily be uh, a total difference maker, but he's an above-average defender who can knock down the open three, had a, built up a lot of locker room equity, especially with Steve Kerr during his time with the Warriors. And I think they would welcome a reunion. And I, most importantly, I think he would be an option on someone like LeBron. Yep. Now, could he shut down LeBron or slow LeBron down? Probably not, but he's as good of an option outside of Clay as they're going to have, you know, out, unless they bring in someone like an Andre Roberson or what have you. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, you, you are also introducing a term that we have not been focusing on for this next year for the Warriors, and that term is turnover. You know, we, we, we are all, for very good reason, only looking at Steph's return, and we know that Draymond's going to be there. We're looking at the familiar faces, and we're expecting those familiar faces to bring us back to a familiar place. But the real, um, the, the truth of the matter is, even though this Warrior team has been to, what, three of the last four finals, they are remarkably inexperienced. There's been a huge amount of turnover from that dynastic team that we knew to the team that's going to be taking the floor in 2021. You know, there, there's big bright faces that will be there, but the rest of them, the, the Michael Mulders of the world, the, the Jordan Pools, have never seen any playoffs, let alone the kind of playoff minutes we're going to be asking them to, to give us if they're a championship contender. So, yeah, man, there's like there's a lot of open questions about who the hell these guys are going to be next year. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. And, you know, we're only what? We're only a month away now from the draft. Hell, and uh, we're only about, what, 25 years from the start of the next season. So, I mean, it's just, just right there, man. That's yeah. so – I think of you I, – I was reading an article the other day, um, and it was talking about, well, they first talked about December, but that's probably not going to – maybe January, but that's not going to happen. And every time they said that's not going to happen, I felt like reaching out and giving you a hug because I know that you are slowly losing your mind. And like just trying to figure out ways to talk about hoop when there is no hoop is a challenge. So hopefully it's coming back, but – yeah, uh, we're – I think February is probably the most realistic right now. I would not be shocked if it went all the way to March, which, I mean, honestly, the thing I miss, I miss just being on the road. I miss Marriott's. I miss the Oakland Airport. I miss Southwest Airlines. Uh, I miss just that lifestyle. You have to understand, man, this is – for four years, that was my life, was, like, not going more than, like, three or four days at a time without being at the Oakland airport. And I'm literally going through withdrawals right now. Well, Connor, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but if the season was on right now, you would still not be at the Oakland airport, buddy. Travel has been shut down everywhere. I know. I know. Which is why I think they're going to keep pushing it back because they want media there. They want fans, as many fans out there as possible. So I think they're going to push it back to the point where they can make things like that happen. And, if, if we had a world where we had to do a season and like our baseball writers this year, like I didn't travel, yep. I would be so miserable. I mean, that's literally why we like 
you're not a beat writer if you're not on the road. Like it, it, it's like a farce. Minicamp was weird because every day we just get these Zoom calls with Steve Kerr and like some random player that we don't select, and then we have to write something off it. And it's like, is this going to be what the season's like? Because this is brutal. Like, and it really hurts our coverage. And I and it hurts. I mean, I, I was able to, you know, the, the Warriors PR stats great, and they were able to be amenable and help me get some some other guys like off to the side on phone interviews and stuff. But like, man, if I have to go into the season like that, I know I don't only I don't only feel bad for myself. I feel bad for our readership. So, quick message to the audience: If for whatever reason you were at the Oakland airport and you see a fairly tall man staring into the uh, closed doors for no reason, sobbing, it is in fact Connor. Just let him stand there. That's fine. You know, he likes to spend time there. It is what it is. He misses his old I, favorite. I've honestly had the thought of like going and just hanging out at the. There's this bar like right outside of uh, right outside of TSA. So you don't actually need, like, a plane ticket to go there? I thought about last, just getting dinner there. The last chance saloon. Don't you think I don't know? Yes, what the, yes, oh, yes. Oh, I, have, I, have I thought about before. going there for that exact okay. reason. Here's free legal advice. Don't. You, I mean, the, the, you, in fact, let's call it both legal and medical advice. I, there's no doubt in my mind you should not be going to an airport bar during the middle of a pandemic. Even my shitburger physical therapist would tell you do not do that. The food's also not very good. Uh, <laughs> also, that's just our, how sad does that make me sound as a person right uh, <laughs> that i'm even considering something like that uh <laughs> but uh so it, you know west goldberg is actually back in the bay area and i don't know if you're going to get a chance to see him but i saw him a few days ago and it was like i felt like i was back on the beat again man just actually seeing him because he's been in miami with his the new love of his life uh <laughs> for months so <laughs> I, I did get to see him, but can't imagine the listeners give a single F about the, the time I spent with Good West. But it was, you know, it was good times. And at this stage, I might start a GoFundMe page just to create some kind of a recreation of the Oakland terminal in your apartment, Matt. You know, there, you don't have any decorations in there anyways. Let's make it look like the terminal. That's fine. Yeah, no, I'm seriously like if my uh, for Christmas or something. I'm down. Like, if you want to do that for me, that would be very, uh, that'd be very friendly of you. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's probably asking a little bit too much. Also, I'm Jewish, so the Christmas thing's not going to happen. But we know we'll figure these details out, man. Don't you worry about that. Bram, uh, thank you so much for co- coming on the podcast, man, especially powering through what was probably, you know, a traumatizing uh, aftermath <laughs> from your medical experience yesterday. Um, it's always fun chatting with you, man, and I, I hope to I hope to see you soon. You know I love our conversations. Nothing makes my meniscus feel better than some Warriors talk, man. And absolutely, in fact, I plan on having you on the Warriors Huddle podcast later today, so you'll be seeing me. Yes, we can't get enough of each other, man. They'll have to come up with some more Warrior topics. Won't be very easy. Give me a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll see if you come up. Our thanks to Bram Hillsman for joining me on the podcast. Always enjoy having him on. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 